Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we conclude our study of the book of Hebrews with chapter 13. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sins are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good, and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with all of you. This is the word of the Lord. This is a, well, it's it's a chapter that ends up being drawn out as you try and do a Bible study of it because there's one exhortation after another. There's one instruction after another. Lots of imperatives, lots of commands, lots of things to do for the brethren. This will keep you busy for a lifetime. Love one another, brotherly love. Don't neglect hospitality. Hospitality is a trait, a characteristic of the Christian in the New Testament. And it's one that 
is probably something we need to work on better um, as a culture today within the church. But his reasoning here is intriguing. And I can't really say much of anything more about it. Some have entertained angels unaware. I will take the preacher at his word because it is the word of God that the Lord has sent his angels into his creation at various times and in various places and we have not known it. You may have entertained an angel. I'm not even sure how that's supposed to motivate us though because man is of greater, I don't want to say importance, But man is superior to angels when it comes time for paradise. So how much more, if if you're supposed to be caring for an angel, how much more so your fellow man? Be hospitable. Then you got those that are imprisoned, and they're not in prison for stealing or something. They're in prison because they're Christians. And the, the Romans despise that. And it's illegal, so they're throwing them in jail. Pray for them. Live as though you're in prison with them. Remember those who are mistreated because you are also of the flesh. You also have a body that can be mistreated. And he goes to marriage. Keep it honorable. Don't defile it. Don't commit adultery. God will judge that. And he goes to money and wealth. Don't love money. That's an idol. Be content with whatever you have, whether it's little or much. The true meaning of Philippians 4, 13, if you read it in context. I can do all things with, through Christ who strengthens me. He then moves on to the promise of Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How incredible is that promise? The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't worry about money. Be content. The Lord will provide. He will not leave you. And even if you don't have in this world, guess what? You have in him. You have everything. You have paradise. Then he moves into another one. Psalm 118, verse 6. What a fantastic truth. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Throw that question. All right, it's a question. Throw it to your kids. What can man do to you? What evil things can man do to you? Can any of those separate you from God? Can any of those steal paradise from you, Jesus from you, Christ's body and blood from you in the Lord's Supper? We, we need not fear. The worst thing that man believes they can do to us in this world is kill us. But guess what? If they kill you, you're with Jesus. They are only quickening your appearance before the Lord in paradise. We don't need to be afraid of them. And as we talked about yesterday, if we're suffering because of whatever they, they did to us, well, this is good. may not seem good. Discipline never does at the time. But if we're suffering, it's pointing us to Christ. It's getting us to think not about ourselves, but to think about what Christ suffered. We're being reminded of our Savior, of our salvation in Him. Verse 7 and verse 17 encourage us to remember 
our leaders to obey our leaders. We'll come back to that. This is not your government officials. We have that elsewhere in the New Testament. This is specifically your faith leaders. So your pastors would be most likely the conversation today. Although if your dad did the job God gave him to do, your father, your earthly father would be part of this as well. Those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. So really the preacher here has just lumped these leaders with the cloud of witnesses and speaks of them almost in the past tense. Whoever it was, whatever church that he is preaching to and writing to now, the ones who first preached the word of God to them are no more. They've passed. They're gone. So remember them. Think of the outcome of their faith, which is that they would be with God now in paradise. If that's what you want, imitate that faith. Live that way. Which is actually a really nice way to think about things in general. Like in life, if you want to be an astronaut, what do you need to do? Well, go ahead and start training your body. Go ahead and start training your mind in that way. If you want to be a football player, what do you need to do? Go ahead and start practicing a lot, getting to know football, learning that exercise and getting your body used to the the repetition of the motions. Imitate the thing that you want. If what you want is paradise, imitate those who've gone to paradise. Set your eyes on Jesus and follow him. Because, there you go, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And another one of those great one-liners here in the book of Hebrews. That's an incredible comfort that the Lord does not change. And because he does not change, his promise does not change. It remains, it stands firm. And his promise to you is that you are his. He has saved you. He forgives you. That does not change. Amen. Then we talk about food um, compared to teachings. Don't be led astray by strange teachings. It's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by food. Here he is contrasting otherworldly foods, which is literally food that is not of this world, with food that is worldly. So he is contrasting what you see in the next verse. He's contrasting what we have on the altar, the body and blood of Christ himself, from those who only serve the tent. Other people, earthly folk, who have no right to eat the body and blood of Christ. If they did so, it would be unworthily, and it would be to their own destruction. That's 1 Corinthians 11. So you can backtrack those same ideas into verse 9 of the grace and the food. Grace strengthened by the body and blood of Christ, not by worldly things, because those are perishing. Don't focus on that. Focus on Christ. Then he reminds us that in the sacrificial system, an animal that was sacrificed, blood shed, uh, had, it was taken outside the camp to be burned on that day of atonement. Well, so Jesus went outside the camp for his sacrifice for our behalf. An interesting question there is, which gate did Jesus go outside of? Are we talking about heaven? Or are we talking about Jerusalem. So Jesus going outside the gate, if we're talking about it in terms of heaven, 
We're thinking about Jesus coming from heaven to earth. We're think, talking about that heavenly temple that we've been seeing in this book, that Jesus left there and was sacrificed here. Otherwise, we're talking about Jerusalem and that just as the Romans did, they crucified outside of the city walls because then as you were coming into town or you were leaving town, you saw the dead. You saw the executed, the judged, and it was a warning that you may not do likewise. Likely the Jerusalem reference is what we got here in verse 12. He went outside the gate to purify his people by his blood. He died on the cross for us. The cross is a reference either way. Verse 13, so let us go outside the camp to him. Let us bear his sufferings with him. Let us suffer as he suffered. So go to the unbeliever. Share the word of God. Let them make fun of you. Turn the other cheek. Let them arrest you because your faith becomes illegal. Because they don't want to hear about the good news of Jesus. Because they don't want to hear that they're sinners. That they're idolaters. These are the things Jesus told people. Repent or perish. Whoever does not eat my flesh and drink my blood has no life in him. These are true. We have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. There is no city here on the earth that will endure. Not one. L.A., New York, um, what are some of the big ones around the world? You name them in different countries. I'm lacking on my geography right now. That's okay. You get the picture. The largest cities in the world, doesn't matter. Not one of them will still stand in the day of judgment. Don't, don't bet your life on this world. It's not going to make it. Don't cling to the things of this world. You'll go down with it. Look to the city that is to come. Trust in Christ above all things. Offer up praise to God. Don't neglect to do good. Share what you have. Those are pleasing to God. Which comes back in the benediction. Verse 21. Verse 17 here, though, obey your leaders, submit to them. They are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. That is a true statement. And this is one you can turn to your children for them to understand. If you disobey mom or dad, does that make it easier or does that make it harder for them to do the job God gave them to do of caring for you? makes it harder. And so it is with your spiritual leaders, your pastors. If you do not listen to them, if you are not willing to submit to them and that they would love you and care for you, you are making their job harder to do. And someday they have to give an account to God for how they did it. So make it easy for them. Be a teachable person. Be a guidable sheep. Hunger for the Lord's Supper. Your pastor loves to feed it to you. Guarantee it. Well, if your pastor's faithful, then he loves to feed it to you. All right, so pray for us. We don't know who the us is here. We don't know who the writer is here, but the hearers do. This is somebody near and dear to them. He wants to visit them again. 
the way he words verse 19 there makes it sound like he has, he himself perhaps is imprisoned somewhere. Uh, he hopes to be restored to them. As we see him say later that Timothy has been released from prison. So now he goes into a benediction, uh, a, a blessing, the godly blessing upon them. So he's, he's speaking on the Lord's behalf to bless the people. May God the Father, the God of peace, who raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus is the great shepherd, the good shepherd from John 10, by whose blood we are equipped. Jeremiah 31, 34, the blood of the eternal covenant, the covenant in which we are forgiven, and he remembers our sins no more. Equip you. So may God equip you by the blood with everything good. Think about that for a moment. God is going to use the Lord's Supper, the blood of Jesus, to equip you, to strengthen you, to build you up, to encourage you to serve him. That you may do what is pleasing in his sight, which goes back to verse 16, not neglecting good, sharing what you have. Glory be to Jesus, that people around you will see Jesus in all things that you do. I appeal to you, brothers, Bear with my word of exhortation I've written briefly. Most of us wouldn't consider this brief today, but that's because our attention span is significantly shorter than it has been in many periods of history, thanks to the screen. Timothy has been released. Our author hopes to go to them with Timothy. Greet all your leaders, greet the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. That note gives us an idea of how widespread the church is at this point, and what a wonderful thing that is. Italy is significantly far from Jerusalem, but the word of God has made it there. Take a look at a map, show your kids. How did it get so far? The disciples took it there. Praise be to God. We don't know where this is at. I mean, this is the closest thing we have in the letter to a hint about who he's writing to or where he's writing from, but it still doesn't give it to us because it's those who come from Italy that send them greetings. So they're not in Italy any longer. They're Italians that have traveled elsewhere, and they're sending greetings to who knows where. So unfortunately not helpful in that regards for us today, um, but grace be with all of you. That is true. The Lord's grace be with you. Amen. Praise, praise.